This was recorded live at Trinity Church in San Juan, Puerto Rico. For more information, go to trinitypr.org. Today, I have the great privilege and joy of introducing Sherry Thomas. And, um, you know, Sherry Thomas, uh, I got to know her principally because she was uh, the founder of a ministry called Paracaleo, which comes alongside of uh, church planners and their wives, particularly. And the way I put it is they just gospel them, man. I mean, they just drive the gospel deep into their souls until they just ooze and bleed gospel. And um, I personally have benefited so much. Um, all of our wives are um, steeped in uh, Paracolo resources and so forth. Um, but also what is super interesting about Sherry is where she is from. And, uh, and so Sherry, without me doing more introduction, we're so glad you're here. Can you tell us a little bit about where you are and where you're Because I think okay. people will really be interested in this. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm coming to you from Connecticut right now, um, but originally I'm from Cuba and um, was born there, left at an early age because of the war, but my... Um, our family goes back, let's see, it's three generations living in Cuba. And, um, and then also my kids have been very involved in Cuba too. So even as an, as I still go back at times and still work there at times. And then um, two of my kids have been really involved in, in Cuba more in more recent years. That's so awesome. And can you tell me a little bit about how, Paracaleo started, I mean, you guys have been in helping plant churches for decades now. Can you tell us a little bit about the origins, really? <laughs> well, it, it, was born out of, it was born out of my frustration because um, basically working in ministry, um, I just got really frustrated because I kept finding like there was a lot of expectations, or at least I felt a lot of expectations, but there was a lot of things I wanted to do too that I was involved in, but I could never find anything really that I felt was supporting of me as, as, as a wife married to somebody else in ministry, but also in ministry myself. And so there was just a lot of, okay, totally honest, a lot of conflict between John and I, because I'd be like, well, wait, 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 how come you, they're paying for you to go to that conference? Or how come you get to do X, Y, and Z? And I'm, I'm sitting here dragging my kids around to my Bible studies, you know, and trying to keep them happy while I'm over here doing something, you know, it was just kind of that craziness. Um, and it was kind of like, too, like, okay, do we matter? It kind of, and so I even went to my soul pretty deeply, like, do I matter to God? Like, what is this all about? Like, how come I feel like we're second class citizens? And I love that. <laughs> so I didn't and say how it got started. That was my motivation. And then when I was speaking at an event, I started saying, am I the only woman struggling with this? And it was, it was for women who were married to church planners. And I had to turn the mic off because they were recording it and women started sharing their stories and everybody was just sobbing. I'm like, okay, I'm not the only one. I thought I was the only crazy woman who was struggling with this sense of, of inequality. Um, so then I went to our denomination and I just kind of was like, we've got to do something. And that just went into it uh, from there. It was kind of the start of yeah. the whole thing. 
And, you know, a lot of uh, in our ministry here, probably not unlike other PCA churches, you know, we're using tons of Tim Keller resources and things like that. And I know that you've got to partner with all the city to city, like they're, they believe in you guys so much. They're like, no, we, we need this to be an integral part of what we're doing in churches all around the world. I'd, I'd love to see that. Yeah, it's been, I mean, that's just been amazing to see, to, to see. And the thing is with city to city too, it's like, what do people want? And this is where we are too, of like in your own country, your own setting, what is it that you guys need and want? So it's like, they're encouraging Pericaleo, but I love that, that idea that it's not like something that's forced. It's, you know, you got to do this. It's more like, is this helpful for you? Is this something that could be beneficial? And that's kind of where we are too. It's not, we're not trying to drum up more work or, but it's like, if this is helpful, we want to, we want to be very generous with it. Yeah. I love And what, what would you say, like, what were you seeing or maybe continue to see like where people, um, you know, like we believe in the gospel, we love the gospel. And yet when the walls start closing in on us, we're just not sure what the gospel has to say to us in that moment, you know, like, and well, yeah. yeah. Well, there's something about like our foundations get shaken. And so, and I do this a lot too. It's like, um, yeah, you'll be wanting to pray for my husband after you hear about this, but I'm always the kind of person, like after he'd preach or something, I'd be like, what does that have to do with, I mean, take it deeper. Like, what does it have to do with my real life? Like when I'm moving, when I'm um, COVID-19 right now. Okay. So I haven't seen anybody else, but my husband who I love dearly, but haven't seen in like eight, nine weeks now, you know, it's just, so what does the gospel have to do with that? It's like, what does it have to do with what I'm experiencing every day? So that's kind of been always been my, um, I, I would be the difficult person <laughs> if you'd want to say in your congregation, raising my hand and go, make it more practical, make it more practical. Like, what's the point? Yeah, no, literally, um, we have this joke that Amanda's my ghostwriter on my sermons and so uh-huh. forth. And, uh, and it's really all b- born out of where she'll be like, I don't get it, Ronnie. I, I mean, what's the point? You know, I don't know. You, you, you're, you're like going right over me. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, thank you. You probably did that to my wife, Sherry. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, but don't, don't you guys, we all do it. It's like, we'll have this amazing theological concept and we we're excited. We want to teach it and share it. But then it's like, how do we push it down so I can take that home with me and go, how can this encourage me right now in what I'm facing today? Yeah, no, that's so good. That's so good. So you um, have been thinking a little bit. I mean, I know because you you guys have had a few like webinars or I don't know if that's even the right language, or, but you're, you are starting to go through the same exercise of what, what resources of the gospel apply to those of us in COVID and all the chaos and uncertainty and um, yeah, anxiety, that mm-hmm. kind of fear, perhaps, um, uncertainty. Can you kind of um, share f- from your heart a little bit about what, how, yeah, how, what, the, what the Lord and the Spirit is kind of taking you through and what you've been able to share with other people during this particular season? Well, yes. And I think so much of it happens to be with, like, each of us have our own storylines, you know? So in our own storylines, there will be the things that that um, let's just say, okay, about COVID-19 that may cause us to worry or may cause us to have fear. 
or guilt or, and, and so I look at it and go, what, um, like for me personally, I always tend to go towards what can I do to help? Like, let, let me go fix it. Let me go out there and, and um, be a part of the solution. That's just from my own storyline of missionaries, generations of people working in ministry. It's just so embedded in us that we're supposed to go do, you know. And so it's been really hard for me to learn. What does it look like? There's a phrase I've been using. Um, I think it's from a John Milton poem that at the very end of it, it says, um, those who stand and wait also serve. And I was like, oh, let me do anything but stand and wait. I want to be active. I want to, uh, you know, it's, it's, and I started realizing, oh, I'm relying again on my activity really for my righteousness. I feel better about myself when I'm active. I feel better if I can serve, if I can help others. So like one of our tools um, that we have in Paracaleo, it's called building an arsenal of truth and beauty. And the word, the reason why we say arsenal is because we're really in a spiritual battle. We're in warfare. And so what is it that I can take to my own heart that will, that will help me believe the truth and beauty of the gospel? So for myself, I've started seeing, okay, I want to be active. Oh, okay. Why do I want to be active in my own storyline? I'm going to feel a lot better about myself if I'm serving others. Well, just with my circumstances and everything I am right now, I've even tried to go into helping a, um, at a food bank and serve in a soup kitchen. Well, it's in New York, but I'm in Connecticut. We're not supposed to be doing that. Um, you know, everything I've tried, I've come up against a block and it doesn't work. I can't do it. Um, even my kids won't let me visit them. <laughs> You know, and I'm sort of like, we've all been quarantining, like we're not around anyone and we're in a hot zone here, you know, so in Boston is just kind of getting into their, some of their probably worst week. So that's where our son lives. So it's like, I've been blocked in kind of every single thing that I'm trying to do, whether it's be with family, whether it's fix things, whether it's um, have any sense of a community, um, it keeps being blocked. So I've had to go. I've had to go back to, okay, first of all, what am I trying to get out of this? Um, okay, I feel a lot better about myself, so I'm going to get a little bit of more of my righteousness out of what I do. Okay, the next one is, what am I getting out of, of trying to fix the solution and spend time with the kids and the family? Well, it's a comfort. It's going to feel better. I'm going to be connected. So arsenal of truth and beauty, what do I go back to then? to believe the gospel. Well, for me, okay, it's that I am totally righteous in Jesus Christ. There's nothing I can do to add to that. Um, what helps me believe that? For me personally, it's, um, okay, how, how honest am I allowed to be here? <laughs> uh, we are gritty. We're not those stuffy PCA people, Sherry. We are gritty. Okay. You bring okay. me, girl. Okay, I'm just going to tell you. Okay, because most people would go, well, you go to scripture. Okay. Being raised in a family or as ministers and everything. The first thing I learn when I open my Bible is I just zone out. <laughs> Sit me in front of a church seat, you know, in the pew, zone out. It's really hard because that's what I learned as a little kid. Be quiet, be still, 
Don't make any noise. So I know how to zone. I know how to look like I'm really learning something. When actually my mind is a thousand miles away. So what helps me take the truth of the gospel to my heart? I go out in nature. I I go out and there's just something like the very beginning of COVID-19. I was just all frustrated with being stuck here was I was outside. I saw um, the, um, you know, we're, we're in New England, so it's super cold up here. And, but the little flowers were just beginning to bloom. And I, immediately as I saw those, I went to the script. Uh, scripture came to my brain of um, look at the lilies of the field that are here today and gone tomorrow. And how much more does God clothe them and take care of? And I was like, ah, God, you took me right to scripture. Then I can, for me, I can then go and look it up <laughs> and read it, you know, but it's like, so I have to understand enough about my story to not guilt myself over beating myself over the head of why aren't you in the Bible more? Why aren't you praying more? Why? Relax, Sherry. God knows your story. God, go outside in nature. God will speak to you even in that way. And it has to be through the truth of scripture. I'm not saying that, but he brought it back to me in that way. Then it carries me into scripture. So that's just one example of nature is what I call it's in my arsenal that helps take me back to the truth of scripture. I love that. One time I was listening to Brennan Manning, you know, you know, that name, the ragamuffin gospel. And he was talking about how we live with all the shoulds. We should, we're always should, I should do this. I should do this. So that God's finally happy with me. And then he just stops. And, you know, he's like this old man. Uh, he's like, stop shooting on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's pretty uh, grotesque, but it has stuck with me, you know? I love it. No, that's awesome. Uh, I, I appreciate that. So, and I actually really love um, the language of warfare because it also changes our expectations. We don't, in war, we don't expect it to be um, a picnic, you know? Yeah. Well, so what What? What other, like, are things in the arsenal? I mean, you have a whole battery of resources. What? What's another one that has really kind of meant that you've been at a... Okay. Well, well, one of the things when we, when Pericaleo talks about building your own arsenal of truth and beauty, it would be building what you need in your storyline that's specifically for you. So what, what is it that um, speaks the truth of the gospel to your own heart? For some people, it's, it's videos like Tammy who helped, you know, started Pericaleo with me. She's a video queen, man. She has a video for every truth. <laughs> you know, she's got a video clip. You know, that really will speak to her heart. For other people, it'll be music. And I've seen several people creating like, um, it's called their COVID-19 playlist, you know, and it takes their truth, takes the um, truths of the gospel back to their heart, own heart. And, even, and we, even with like songs and videos, they might not be necessarily Christian ones. They're just ones that it reminds you of something that your heart needs to hear about the truth of, of the gospel. So there, you know, one of my, the, my first one is, is nature, but then videos, um, music. Um, okay. This again is mine. Cause it's a little different. It's, it's animals. Um, back in my story, back in Cuba, I was, uh, Cuba, and then lived in the Dominican Republic also. And both times went through two revolutions. So I'm really used to uh, gun violence. Um, and so I, in my story, my dog saved me several times from literally being shot. So 
an animal, like my dog is, I was a kid growing up, I later looked back and go, that such, was such a representation of how God has saved me actually in literal situations. So I have, um, I now have two cats. I'm going to be that old cat lady, you know, <laughs> the crazy cat lady. But um, there is just something about as I'm watching even my animals, it sounds so weird, but I keep seeing lessons from scripture as I'm watching them. I know that's going to sound bizarre, but again, that's personal to my own story. So I'm giving those examples to say, think through what might be something that helps take, that helps like, helps you believe the truth of scripture and that would help you renew your mind. So, so often we'll have from our stories, we'll have things that, um, you know, that really negative experience or something that happened and we have that reaction to it. Um, so I'm looking at things that are going to help renew, renew my mind so that I'm believing the truth that God's smile is over me, that, 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 that because of Christ, the fin- the finished work, Christ has finished the work on the cross and I am secure in that. So instead of going back to old lies that I might tend to believe that, um, you know, like one of mine could be if I don't work hard enough, if I don't, um, you know, I don't meet up to somebody else's approval. Oh no, the verdict's not in on me. Like the verdict of what Jesus Christ says about me. So I, I have to keep countering some of those lies in my, in my life. And like one of the lies right now is I'm not doing enough to help save the world from coronavirus or just saving my neighbors. I mean, in the sense of literally, like if people have food, if they have, so that's a, that, that lies in my head because I'm stuck at home and, and there's very little I'm able to do. So I have to counter it with the truth. So, you know, what interests me is that like, I'm, I'm, I'm everyone's pastor here, Sherry. So like, I, I so, you know, it, this is going to be disappointing to everyone, but like when I'm under stress, sorry, there's a truck going by when I'm under stress, I wish that I just like, if you squeeze me, scripture just came out, but it's probably like a cuss word, you know, like it's like not what it should be. Right. Yeah. And you actually have um, collected and, and kind of benefited from some of these studies on, on the Hebs axiom, for instance, I was watching a little bit of that. And can you just talk like that really caught my attention. Can you just talk a little bit about most of us won't even know what that is. Can you tell us? just Okay. Hebb's axiom, and I forget if it was in the 1940s or so, it's basically, he's a, he was a neurologist, and, he, and an axiom is basically something that is like self-evident. So as a neurologist, he, I don't know what part of your brain, but he was aware that the brain is made in such a way that if you keep hearing repetitive um, messages, or even if you have something like traumatic happens to you, it gets stuck in your brain. So on a negative sense, a traumatic thing, a a woman, uh, let's say a little girl that was hit by a man really traumatically, then as an adult, she's going to be around an adult and she might like, like jump back if a man goes to touch her because of that, that's been that, that message that's been in her brain, but it's been learned. The axiom is, is that you can rewire your brain by bringing in new truths. It's like, oh, this goes to scripture so well with renewing your mind. Um, So like think of an accident. I mean, think of a repetitive action that you learned as a child, like the multiplication tables. We go five times five. We we know the answer. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to do that thing. But our brains are wired in such a way 
that we need to keep repeating the truth over and over to rewire from those old messages we've had. And then there's another term that that we like to use is, is there can also be a violent grace that the spirit comes in and there can be sometimes those sudden one-time events and it's rewires it. I think of, um, I think of the apostle Paul, you know, um, and just, wow, how he was blinded and there was a total shift there. Um, so there could be a violent grace, but basically it's, it's the idea that what gets fired in to your brain gets wired in. So that's where I'm, I'm looking at it going, I've got to identify the lies that I might be believing, let's say right now. Um, and I have to rewire that in with the truth of scripture and the truth of what the gospel means. Um, so that helps actually even helps me under just kind of keep that whole idea of the, of the brain, that that's a true thing that we can rewire the way we're thinking. So a lot of it to me is identity identifying our lies that we tend to believe well um i a i just testimony here my wife like literally when she wakes up in the middle of night like her brain automatically goes to like psalm 23 and she just slowly word by word goes through it and it, and it like i mean you'd say it legitimately comforts you like not not going to be overly spiritual. I mean, how's that work? For yeah, you? like sometimes I think um, I memorized it and I listened to song, a couple of songs that just are all the, are the scripture. But what I've done over through COVID-19 is when I wake up in the night, my brain is just, it's, it's not even worry necessarily, but it's just going so fast. And, I, and it's problem solving all these random, sometimes super random things. And so I've just, I've gotten in this habit of, I just start with the psalm. I recite it slowly. Just, and I'm sometimes it's not even, I'm not thinking theologically even about it. It's just like the truth just washing over my brain and my heart. And I just oftentimes can just fall right back to sleep. Like it really it brings like a real comfort. Like it, it really does do something to the whole body, you know? Yeah, and I like, I like how you said that because it's, it's that thing of, it is, you're telling yourself truth. And from what we learn from neurologists, it really affects our brains. And of course, we also learn this from God, you know, the renewing of our minds. That is a true, that is such a truth there. So that is a beautiful thing to be take to me to hear you saying that, Amanda, and how that is affecting what you're thinking. You know, even in, in your half awakeness. Mm-hmm. Sherry, could you kind of, um, I think for some of us, this idea that as uh, that we tell ourselves, like that kind of, um, that actually might be new language, like new kind of ideas. What are some of like the, the big ones that you think we are kind of caught up into culturally? Are there big lies that you've kind of noticed patterns in our culture? Well, I, I, maybe it's a bigger than culture, this, but I think um, wherever we've been betrayed or made powerless or abandoned. So a mm. lot of our wounding, I mean, are just, you know, people sin against us. How we have been sinned against in childhood, especially in those areas of abandonment, of betrayal, and um, what was the other one I said? Powerlessness. And it might be a, not like, it's not like, a, it might not be a capital A abuse. It might be a smaller one. 
But those are where, that's where the evil one, where Satan will come in and go, <laughs> just like what he did in the garden, you know, but it's going to, he's going to come in there and twist our brains. He takes truth and he twists it. So yeah, let's say you were abandoned as a child. Your father left you. There was some, there's some abandonment issue. I believe that, I mean, the evil one, no, he's not, you know, not stronger than God, but he still allows some power on this earth right now. So they will take that trip, try to say, see, you're always going to be abandoned. Or, or you, maybe you believe the lie that I was abandoned because I, my dad didn't love me, let's say. So then you're thinking, see, I'm not worthy of being loved. So the lie might be how you go about living your life is making sure you never disappoint people. So that's sometimes, you know, why are we such big people pleasers? Where is that coming from? What is the lie that we're believing that was wired into our brains because we were abandoned or betrayed or made powerless? I love, and, and so what are, um, like, I know, like, for me, like, I've, I've done a lot of that story work, you know, I'm trying to understand, you know, I think the language we use, um, we've been sinned against and therefore we tend to sin against others out of that, you know, and, yeah. and like the, I've done a lot of story work, but I don't always in the moment, however, cognitively aware I am of that story work. It doesn't necessarily unlock or untie a, a pattern in my heart. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I go, wow, thank God you're human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For sure. For sure. Would you, would you have like, I don't know. It's, this is like what I think of as a pastor. Like I really share, like, I really want to help people. Like I really want to see people change and experience like the delight of a changed life. Like we're not what we ought to be, but man, we can change a little bit today. And like, really, I long to see that in people and and, and, you know, in ministry, when you even see just a little bit of that, like your, it just starts, sets your heart on fire, you know? Um, but man, I just, um, I, maybe this is why I'm like a Calvinist. I'm like, it's just like the spirit's got to do it. You know, like I can't, I don't have good enough words, you know, I don't have good enough ideas. And why that's absolutely, I'm a hundred percent convinced that that's true. I also recognize that there are ways of, um, empl- employing the gospel, this this gift that God's given to us in ways that are deeper than, hey, you're in luck when you die because you're not going to go to hell. You know, like yeah. it, it, that has a real present payout right now. That's a weird way of saying it. I don't mean to use such economic language, but you know, to, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and and I and I, if if I'm hearing this correctly, I think. Um, what can bring about transformation is really the attitude of our heart. Am I, so just let's take the topic of what we're saying, believing past lies. How does this, how, how do we transform ourselves? Not, we don't transform ourselves. How can we join with the spirit of God? So I look at it and I'm just going to take my example that I used of, of um, feeling guilty that I'm not being active enough and seeing that my, by I was really what early when I started seeing is it's my I'm trying to get my righteousness from my activity. So I I go back and I go, what is that lie that I'm believing? What is it? Oh, that God, there's a whole bunch of things, but it's this, it's it's a, what my repentance then will take me to where is my unbelief? 
and where is my pride? Kind of those two areas. Well, pride basically is you seriously, there's a city of millions in New York and I need to go in to help surf. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's kind of like you start, I start seeing the pride of it. I start recognizing that. And so I have to be the one. Um, I see the unbelief in me that if I'm not active, oh, I really don't believe that Christ's righteousness is enough for me to just be in a state of waiting right now and, and where he's put me. And can I obey the law of what I'm here in here in Connecticut and follow that? Cause that's kind of where, where that, this is where God has me, you know? So there's my unbelief and my pride. So as I begin repenting of that, and as I start thinking it through, that's when I start identifying, Oh gosh, there's something so much deeper than that. I've, I've got this lie from, and this goes, you know, I just look back a little bit of my story and go back. There's, there's a lot of history there in my life that goes through revolutions and that we were kind of taught like, well, you just need to sacrifice yourself. And it, even as a little kid, there was this idea that you need to, um, um, you'll be a martyr if you die in this at six years old. So here, so, okay, that was a lie somebody else gave me. But by identifying it, and I go, I don't have to live under that anymore. Satan, be gone. (laughs) Like, really? And and so, but then my belief can come in and go, okay, Jesus, here's my life right now. What do you want from me today? Oh, you mean to do the dishes instead of getting on my husband for him to do them because I've done them the last three nights and it's his turn? Ouch. That's, that's, it would be so much more beautiful to serve in a soup kitchen. You see what I'm saying? It's like, and and so then, then the other repentance comes in of, oh, well, I don't really want to go to work and work hard because everything is in such an upheaval that I feel like everything I do, it gets frustrated. It's just not working. So I'd rather not work. Could I have belief that even if my efforts seem fruitless, I can still do that as a gift to God. So that's how it's changing my, my, in the midst of this. And I, and believe me, I'll get off this call and I'll have the same struggle. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, I'll say the same words back to you. Thank God that you're human. <laughs> um, I, I have a few questions here. And I just want to remind you guys that if you do have questions, you can either put them in the group chat or you can do it to everyone or to me privately, whatever. I'll try to represent them. But here's one, Sherry. Um, how do you identify when you need your arsenal? Like, what are the symptoms? Like, how would you know? Emotional check. Feeling check-in. Am I frustrated? Am I disappointed? Am I snappy? Am I angry? I mean, am I just walking around in circles? Like, what am I saying inside my head? Like, this is ridiculous. This is, you know, so it's that, it's that feeling. I call it a feeling word check-in. You know, and you just, I just identify like, what is it that I think I need to have right now that I'm not getting? What do I think I need to have that whereas Christ is not sufficient for me right now? Yeah. You you know, um, my, like if, uh, like my kids spill, spill their water or whatever, and I owl at them. Amanda will look at me and say, this isn't about the spilled water, is it? <laughs> you know, like, there's something going on. You're not right. You know, like, oh, oh, yeah. flag, flag, you know. Um, 
All right, sure. I have another question for you. Um, in your experience, does your arsenal change during different stages of life? And do you have an example for you? Like, how's it been as in your walk with the Lord over time? Well, yes, it does change. Because, well, first of all, I'm always creating new idolatries. I can always come up <laughs> with new lies. I mean, as soon as you get rid of one, the next one pops up. So it's like, it's like I need, uh, so yeah, it's constantly changing. Um, um, there are some things that are constant as far as, as, um, but yeah, but, but again, this is a pretty, this is like this the whole thing of an arsenal is, is, um, a newer, something I've been practicing more in the last five years. So I would say in the past, I would just be really happy just trying to fix my life on my own. And then, you know, praying Jesus prayers to, you know, how that those are <laughs> solve all my problems. I mean, I like Jesus make, you know, you're just kind of, you're just trying to ask, ask Jesus to bless your idolatry. That used to be my past. I still do it sometimes too, but you know. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. I need to think about that a little bit. With Sherry. Like, look, like when your prayers sound like, Lord, just bless my idolatry and leave me alone. Like, oh my goodness. Like, oh, it's dark. It's dark. The heart is dark. Uh, <laughs> I don't think she finished. What's up? I did. I, I can't remember if I was going to say anything else. Yeah. Just the different stages of life. And if there's a, an example of your arsenal changing in recent time. Okay. Well, well, yes. When, when I kids were really little and I just didn't have any time alone. Um, I would like pick the longest grocery line. Um, because that was like my only time I felt like to pray, like I could pray, you know? And so like that, that was just a thing of good, go to the grocery store and stand in the longest line and you'll just get some time alone. (laughs) (laughs) But it kind of gave me some time to like a realistic time of, or like when I was nursing children, it was like, Oh good. Don't turn on the TV. Don't do anything else. Let this be a time just to kind of focus and, and, you know, pull in because there was just like those little minutes you could catch I, I could catch whereas now much older yeah I can go for a long two-hour walk who would ever get that much time when you have little children you don't right right yeah no that's good that's good uh here's another question Sherry um could you explain what your ministry model is in other words do you minister to individual church plant couples or like how, how, are, how are y'all doing this or have have you done that well, um, we have, but I, we feel like it's more effective and we do have, like we offer coaching. We have like a, well now virtual small groups. Um, but what we feel is the most effective is if we can help join, like if, if an area wants us, if we can join with their church planning network and we kind of develop like a partnership so that there's um, kind of equal buy-in. Um, from both parts, from both parties there. And then we kind of say, hey, we'll commit to helping you guys get this started in your area or like, you know, on your island. Because <laughs> then you'll create like cohorts, like regional co- cohorts. Is that Yeah. Correct? So then there would be like a, there would be like that um, cohort that or local group or whatever it is there. But then also we train up trainers. So like, let's say it was Puerto Rico, then you would have your own trainers. You would have your own um, so you're not having to spend the money of like bringing somebody in. So we, we usually come up with about a three year kind of plan to get trainers through being trained so that they'll do this so that they can then lead 
uh, small groups. And then like in some areas, they use a lot of, of our materials and tools like in their church for discipleship or so they'll take a lot of the tools and use them in different ways. And that's that's what we want. We want to say, you then take this how you think would be best for your area and your region and your context, because every every culture is different. I um, I love the name of the principal book that that you guys uh, wrote and used called um, Beyond Duct Tape. Can you just tell for everyone where you got that name and what that means? Well, I I feel like in for a ministry person, I felt like all of life was kind of basically you're you're just it's like you're driving down the road with the car falling apart and you're duct taping it up together to like, kind of just keep things going. You know, it's kind of because there is so much that you have to do to start a church and there is so much you have to do to start more. And so there can be this life of just feeling like everything's falling apart. And, and I think sometimes we don't realize how much a pastor is hearing a lot of negative things they hear all this other stuff that's going on that the rest of the congregation doesn't hear so there's can be this feeling that we're every day that we're barely making it so i i just like the example of duct tape because um well i literally we <laughs> there were so many times john would be so busy i remember a window falling down in my car and i duct taped it all up because i'm like he's not going to have time to get to this to fixing the car window so you know it's duct tape together <laughs> so it was kind of that idea of how can we get beyond living like <laughs> living like that? Oh, and then the other one, the duct tape particularly was for me because I am queen of opening mouth, inserting foot. And so it was like, to take me out in public, we should just put duct tape over my mouth. Because um, <laughs> if you're if you're living on on uh, what's the word appearances and what you think other people think of you, like. I ruined that so many times. I mean, I literally, John even had, my husband even had bosses who were like, could you ask her to take down that Facebook page or that post? Because <laughs> I just really, I'm just really, uh, sometimes don't think. <laughs> that I mean, you know, I mean, I have to tell my wife to have some self-respect all the time. What? <laughs> oh, it's the opposite. You see, I'm like, can we edit that? Does it have to go online? Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but you know it's interesting like uh on a serious note like i know that um you're mute you're muted sorry i'm sorry about that um i know that um it, during this uh covid quarantine there have been a few marriages um that maybe had some problems in the past and uh they they, they got past some issues through using duct tape they didn't really deal with the heart of it and then COVID comes in crisis. And, you know, like we've said before, uh, new trauma wakes up old trauma. And uh, the, we realized that the duct tape wasn't enough and it exposed some things and it was time to go deeper with uh, the gospel healing. So, I mean, I, and that's, and that is what your ministry is trying to do is like go or let Jesus do business with you on the most profound level. I'm profound. I'm super thankful. Um, I have one more, one, one last question. It's um, how have you seen people need the gospel in the midst of stay at home orders? So. Ooh. Well, we need the gospel. First of all, I think for our own hearts and how we're treating each other. Um, you know, it's very easy to become impatient with one another or to have expectations of whether it's our kids or our spouse 
Um, so there's a lot right there of just, and I think it's, it's really a beautiful gift in a sense. I mean, I know, uh, hear me that I, I have people with COVID friends with COVID-19. So I know we're, we're really concerned for their lives. Um, but I look at it for uh, those of us who are at home is what a beautiful opportunity to let Jesus disciple us and just the everyday things of, um, of life with each other. And I, I will say there are times, my husband and I, we've lived in a really small, tiny apartment together. So there were times we put on headsets, you know, to go, okay, I just need a break. <laughs> and so for wearing a headset, that would mean, oh, don't talk to him or her for a while. Because <laughs> we you know we didn't have a private room to go to. There was no place to escape each other. Um, so maybe we have a little more space now. We don't necessarily need that now. But a lot, I think, and I've heard other people saying this too, it's the idea of, um, and I, I think with parenting, it gets really hard because we have such ideals of what we want to be as parents. And I think so much of going, okay, well, how does the gospel covers that too. We're going to make mistakes and we're going to do worse than make mistakes. We will wound our children too. And so can I go back to receiving Christ, Christ's forgiveness and remind that again, I am in Jesus Christ. Can I re talking with others? It's like repenting before their children there. I I'm hearing that a lot more. There's many more opportunities. What uh, work are, our time is almost out, but I do have one last question. Um, this one's coming from me, but I think you might be uniquely able to answer it. Um, a lot of our people, um, you know, I would say through force of our church, we're a couple different churches. Um, Trinity Church is the English speaking congregation, and that's principally who's here. But the mother church who planted us was a Spanish speaking church. So it's not often that Spanish speaking churches plant English speaking churches, but that's what happened here. And um, so most of Trinity is English speaking. Um, most of them are expats, okay. um, but even our Puerto Ricans, um, Puerto Ricans are surprisingly bicultural. They dance in a lot of different worlds. But here's what I'm finding is that, uh, you, you know, you live in Latin America and it changes you. And then um, you go back to the United States and you find yourself like really frustrated with American culture. But then you come back to Puerto Rico and you're really frustrated by Puerto Rican culture. And you're always just frustrated with the culture that you're in. And, and you start kind of feeling homeless a little bit, like nothing quite feels right. And there's that kind of weird reverse culture shock. Now, Sherry, that's your life. Like that is literally your whole life. Can you just, final words, can you just kind of speak into that? How have you kind of worked through that for your own heart? Well, part of it is a reminder that this is not my home and I won't have home here. And that I, I have to sometimes recognize the sadness or the loneliness of that, that I won't, I, I, for years, I always was like, I'll go back to Cuba. That's where I'll escape to when I, you know, want to go back. But when I go back, I'm like, Oh no, this isn't home either. So I definitely have felt that. And then now again, where am I? I'm in new England. <laughs> Like I'm a Latina from a, from a warm culture and I live in New England. Um, this won't be home either. So it's the two things of reminding me, reminding myself that there is, there is a sadness in that. I don't experience, I think, what some other people have experienced. They get like, oh, this feels like home. I don't have that anywhere. Um, so it is a reminder that that's a good way to remember that this is not my home. 
eternally, this will, this is not where my real home is. But, but then also to grieve some of those losses. And then the other one is, I really pray that God will help me be planted where I'm living, like to, to, to get into my community, wherever I am, to learn that community. And however long, I don't ever know how long I will be there, but not to look at it as transient. So, um, and that's hard because that breaks your heart every time you have to leave it. But it's to go, it's no, I am here. I'm going to do everything I can to be, they call them nutmeggers here in, in Connecticut, um, to be a nutmegger. I'm going to be everything I can to learn what it's like to live in New England and be a part of here. And so it's even joining, like I've joined the his we live in a historical part, like, so the historical society here. So I find little things, how can I become a part of this culture? And even though I know I'll never be from here, what might be the gifts that God want that, that just by my presence, I won't even know what they are, but just by my presence, it's going to bless or gift this part of little corner of the world. I love that. It's good. Blossom where you're planted. Well, Lord, the Lord took you to that place. Don't don't question his goodness towards you, you know? Right. Sherry, um, we are just so blessed. We have been so blessed by your ministry. And of course, Tammy and Deneen as well. Deneen has become a good friend of ours. Who Deneen, for those of you listening, is now the new current uh, ex- executive director of Paracaleo. That's just a recent change and just a wonderful, wonderful lady. And um, I was with her at the Justice and Reconciliation con- uh, Conference. Awesome. That was awesome. We got to hang out a little bit, sit at the table together. And anyway, uh, we're so thankful that you just let God use you and have his way with you and that you would kind of codify all these messy lessons in your life for all of us. <laughs> I want you to know that uh, Pericleo, for all the wives here on our staff, they're all, we're all steeped in it deep. and uh amanda writes all my applications now so thank you for that and (laughs) and um we um there are a thousand people asking you to get on their zoom call the fact that you would uh take time to be with us really means the world to us so thank you so much sherry hey you guys it's a real honor this really is i mean this to me is fun this is great thank you thank you for letting me be here well great well um well, Lord bless you and keep you. And for the rest of you guys, we'll see you same same hour next week. And.